Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. We're going to get into the Word today, and then we're going to, at the end of our time, we have a baby dedication day, little Theo Dickerhoff, and it's going to be so exciting. We'll get to dedicate that little boy today after a song in a minute. But come on, let's get into the Word today. Um, If you have your Bibles, you can open to Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. As I promised, we're just going to keep going through this together. Um, I know at times, uh, you know, whenever we teach the Scriptures like this, um, I don't get to choose the topic. I just get to teach what the Scripture tells us to teach. And that's what I love about it because I get to say things that I wouldn't normally say. And today is a real good opportunity for that. Paul, for those of you who don't know where we've been in the story, and if you want to bring the house lights up, you can so I can see people and so they can take notes if they want. Then Yinka, you can start bringing your Bible back to church, brother. I promise you'll see the words now. We're going to get into the word today, and then we're going to, at the end of our time, we have a baby dedication day, little Theo Dickerhoff, and it's going to be so exciting. We'll get to dedicate that little boy today after a song in a minute. But come on, let's get into the word today. Um, If you have your Bibles, you can open to Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. As I promised, we're just going to keep going through this together. Um, I know at times, uh, you know, whenever we teach the scriptures like this, um, I don't get to choose the topic. I just get to teach what the scripture tells us to teach. And that's what I love about it, because I get to say things that I wouldn't normally say. And today is a real good opportunity for that. Paul, for those of you who don't know where we've been in the story, and if you want to bring the house lights up, you can, so I can see people, and so they can take notes if they want. Then Yinka, you can start bringing your Bible back to church, brother. I promise you'll see the words now. Um, but uh, we, um, we've been on a journey in Colossians, and really what we've been trying to understand along this journey in Colossians is... Uh, Paul had never met the church that he was writing to, never met the people. Uh, Their pastor, Epaphras, went to prison uh, to see uh, Paul and to tell him how the church was going, but he mentioned that there were some concerns he had with the church, that these individuals who had accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They believed that he was Messiah. They believed that he was uh, 100% divine, 100% God. They believed these things, but uh, that there was a challenge in this in that they felt like um, there was something uh, happening in their midst. There were ideologies and philosophies, patterns of this world that were beginning to invade the church of Jesus Christ. And so Paul wrote this letter to remind them about the greatness of Jesus Christ to remind them about what they believe, to remind them about how good God is, to remind them about how he died on the cross and how he rose on the third day and how he wants you to live a resurrected life, an abundant life right now uh, in your life. And so we've been talking through this and last week we talked about how uh, what, what Paul was trying to help them understand is that you need to begin to build your life on Christ. Build your life on Jesus. Build your life on Christ. That's where we left it last week. And, um, but uh, we, um, we've been on a journey in Colossians. And really what we've been trying to understand along this journey in Colossians is uh, Paul had never met the church that he was writing to, never met the people. Uh, their pastor, Epaphras, went to prison uh, to see uh, Paul and to tell him how the church was going. But he mentioned that there were some concerns he had with the church, that these individuals who had accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They believed that he was Messiah. They believed that he was uh, 100% divine, 100% God. They believed these things, but uh, that there was a challenge in this in that they felt like um, there was something uh, happening in their midst. There were ideologies and philosophies, patterns of this world that were beginning to invade the church of Jesus Christ. And so Paul wrote this letter to remind them about the greatness of Jesus Christ to remind them about what they believe, to remind them about how good God is, to remind them about how he died on the cross and how he rose on the third day and how he wants you to live a resurrected life, an abundant life right now uh, in your life. And so we've been talking through this and last week we talked about how uh, what, what Paul was trying to help them understand is that you need to begin to build your life on Christ. Build your life on Jesus. Build your life on Christ. That's where we left it last week. And come on, well, we're going to read this verse here in Colossians chapter 3, verses uh, 2, verses 6 to 7. And it says here in the scripture, So then just as you receive Christ Jesus as our Lord, continue to live your lives in him. He says, okay, I want you to keep going. I want you to build your life in him. Root your life in him. 
He says, then your life will understand the truth and you will overflow with thanksgiving. What we're going to do for the rest of our series here today, for the next really four uh, times we talk on Colossians, will be about what it looks like. How do we practically build our life on Christ? How do we practically build our life on Christ? Paul is giving us this understanding in this scripture in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Come on. Well, we're going to read this verse here in Colossians chapter 3, verses uh, 2, verses 6 to 7. And it says here in the scripture, So then just as you receive Christ Jesus as our Lord, continue to live your lives in him. He says, okay, I want you to keep going. I want you to build your life in him. Root your life in him. He says, then your life will understand the truth and you will overflow with thanksgiving. What we're going to do for the rest of our series here today, for the next really four uh, times we talk on Colossians, will be about what it looks like. How do we practically build our life on Christ? How do we practically build our life on Christ? Paul is giving us this understanding in this scripture in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. You've been raised with Christ. Paul's talking about water baptism. Because you've accepted Jesus, and because you were baptized in the water, Dave and Moni got water baptized last week. Come on, Dave. When you went down into the water, your old person was dead. You were buried in the grave. You were, you were relating to Christ. When you came out of that water, you were raised to a new life with Christ. He says, since you've been raised to life with Christ, and he talks about three areas in this chapter three that I want to talk about today, three things that he identifies that because you've been raised to life with Christ, there are three things that you must do to begin to build your life on Christ. Now, I want to tell you today, if you can listen to what I'm telling you, I believe you will see breakthrough in your life. There will be abundant life. There will be transformation. I just got to say this, and I'm going to say it boldly. Many of you here today are living in a bit of a disconnected religious relationship with God, and it's time to have a life-giving, abundant, transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what he wants for you. And so what it says on the screen here, it says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, he jumps into this. And look what he says on the screen in Colossians 3, verse 1 to do. Come on, preach with me, Tyler. Help me out, brother. Keep going on the screen. Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Set your minds, set your hearts on things that are above. The first thing that you and I must do to build our life on Christ is we have to start by recalibrating our heart and mind on the things of God. What happens is, is that we begin to get our eyes on God, but our, our aim is on God, but our heart or our mind actually begins to stray away from the original reason why we pursued God in the first place. And our hearts begin to turn away. The word in this scripture, uh, in your verse there, is the word set, or it actually means seek. Seek the things that are above. That word, the word in the Greek is zeteo. That word zeteo is a word Jesus used often. He used this word in Matthew chapter 7. And he said, keep on asking. Keep on seeking. He also said it in Matthew chapter 6, 33. He said, he said uh, so seek first the kingdom of God. This idea of seeking after God, pursuing after God, looking after God, chasing after God is not something that stops when you put your hand in the air and accept Jesus Christ. This is a constant daily pursuit of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. See, Paul started with something so basic and foundational because he knew that even though at times it feels like our intentions are right and focused on God, what we don't realize is that our heart and our mind begins to stray. Our sight is focused on him, but our heart and mind need to be recalibrated to focus on Christ. Why would we need to seek Jesus? I thought we already met him. I thought we already know him. Well, Jesus never leaves us. He's omnipresent. He is with us. To, you know, he's with us constantly. He's with us always. He is constantly with us. He's constantly in relationship with us. Jesus is always and constantly with us. But what happens is, is that you and I, over time, stray away. It's almost, it's very similar to a marriage. You know, my wife is an incredible woman. I don't know if you've talked to my wife. Many of you have. But my wife is the heart and soul of my house and our church. 
Thank you, Catherine, for agreeing so diligently and quickly. My wife, um, my wife is one of the most incredible women I've ever met. Not only in our marriage does she just, you know, loved me, which is really hard to do, um, put up with me. For those of you who know me, you're like, my God, there's a special grace on Stephanie. But she uh, keeps an amazing home, and she, you know, she is an incredible cook, and she's an amazing mother, and she's a hard worker, and she, she, you know, runs the church, and she's administrator, and she can preach, and she leads worship, and. After a while, though, I get so used to always having a lunch in front of me that I just forget to show gratitude. After a while, I'm just so used to my wife doing my laundry that I'm like, why did you put my laundry here? She's like, I just did your laundry. Why are you saying that to me? And as you know, as a married couple, over time, you are aimed for, you love them, you care for them, but you just start to take for granted how awesome that they are. This is what we're capable of doing without even realizing it. We love God and we go to church and we do the right things, but over, over time, we, we really stop pursuing her, thanking her, grateful to her, being nice to her, serving her. How can I make your day better? Instead, I just let her serve me and then I get upset when things don't go like I want them to go. In the same way, our heart, we might be aimed at God. We might have our desire to be after God. But what we don't realize is that we've just gotten so used to the, the amazing faithfulness of our loving God that we're aimed at him. But when we take that shot or when we pursue after God, we miss the mark. And if you see this picture here, actually, you see here, if this was your intended aim, when you look through a scope of a rifle, that's what I feel like I'm going to hit. I'm going to hit the target right here. But when you pull the trigger, the, the, you actually hit here. Why? Because you need to recalibrate your scope. You need to recalibrate your heart. You need to recalibrate your mind. You need to check your motive. And Man, why am I pursuing after God? Is it because I feel like if I don't do these things, God will love me? Or is it, is it because I, I, I'm like, man, I, I want, if I do good things and I feel like God's going to give me something? Or do I just love God because he first loved me? And do I just love God because he blessed me? And do I just love God because he laid his life down for me and then he rose on the third day? Why are you pursuing after him? Is it for your own selfish gain? Or is it just because he's so good? He says you need to set your heart and your mind, recalibrate those things to be focused on God, to be focused on him, to put your sights on God. Because when you do that, your heart and desire will begin to match. Just say, okay, God, my motivation to serve you has been a little bit because I've been a little bit legalistic and I've been thinking that if I do these good things, if I read my Bible every day, then you'll love me when God, you already loved me even when I was in sin, God. And you know what? I'm just gonna enjoy your grace and your love even though I'm a terrible sinner and even though I never do anything right and I just can't seem to keep my Bible reading consistent. God, I'm just gonna stop for a moment and remember that the reason that I'm pursuing you is because God you love me just the way that I am you love me right where I'm at not because of what I do but God you just care for me you love me you're such a great father you're such a great dad you just you went on the cross for me and you died for me and you, you know what Jesus you would do that again if you could you were betrayed by your best one of your best friends Judas and you were beaten and battered and whipped and mistreated. You were murdered by the very people that you came to save. Lord, I just recalibrate my heart, my mind to refocus on you, Lord. You can't build your life on Christ if, if your sights are off. You can't expect to see breakthrough in your life if your intentions are good, but your heart and mind really isn't focused on the Lord. Recalibrate your heart. Lord, forgive me for, for doing this for the wrong reasons. Lord, forgive me for pursuing you because of what I might get from you. God, forgive me, God, because I thought if I went to church, then maybe you'd love me more. No, God, you love me just because. I don't go to church because you'll love me more. I go to church because I love you. I read my word because I love you. I pray because I love you. I'm nice to my fellow brothers and sisters because I love you, Lord. What happens is as you recalibrate, what happens is as God, you begin to hit the mark and you begin to experience the presence of God in your life like never before. Blessed are those who are th uh, hungry, hunger and thirst for righteousness and they will be what? Filled. When you recalibrate your heart and your mind, guess what happens? You'll be filled. 
You'll experience the very presence of the living God and you'll be transformed. And all the things that you've been searching for in your walk with God come not by God coming closer to you, but by you recalibrating your heart and your mind on Christ. The second thing we, have, we see here in Scripture, how to build your life on Christ. Oh, you're not going to like this one, so hang on to me. Put your selfish nature to death. I'm sorry, it's there. I have to preach on it. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual morality. This word is the external uh, sexual misconduct outside of the marriage between a man and a woman. Impurity. It speaks to the idea of just uh, wandering thoughts, not allowing your thoughts to be submitted to God. They're impure thoughts, impure things. Maybe not sexual, but maybe just, just anger or judgment or unforgiveness in your mind that are not being taken captive. The lust is sexual uh, cravings that are unhealthy and ungodly. Evil desires are motivations, wrong ambitions and motivations, greed, uh, the lack of contentment for what the Lord's given us. Look at this, which is what? Idolatry. These things here become our God. And we know in our world today, uh, these things have become gods to many people. And they're actually in, a, in a, an attack mode against the church of Jesus Christ. Because they know, the world knows, the devil knows, this is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways. In the life that you once lived. But now, you also must, here we go again, oh, hang on, rid yourself of all such things as these anger. That's a mental anger. That's not external. Internal anger towards someone or something. Unforgiveness, anger, frustration. Rage is an external expression of that anger. Malice is treating other people with, with, with uh, you know, being rude to people and mean to people and speaking ill about them and gossiping, slander, saying things you shouldn't say about people. Filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Deceiving one another. See, the reason Paul needed to put this here is because he knew that when you recalibrate your heart and your mind on Christ, what it does is identifies areas in our life that are a part of our old nature that must be put to death. In order for you to experience a life built on Christ, the things that we've listed today, I have spent so many years in sin's prison, and I know how hard it is to rid these things from your life. I know how hard it is to rid sexual sin from your life. I know how hard it is to, to rid alcohol addiction from your life. I know how hard it is to rid lust and anger and unforgiveness and bitterness. You're like, man, why is this guy a pastor? <laughs> I know how hard it is to be stuck in sin's prison for so long. And pastor gets up and says, you need to overcome these things. And it's like, easier said than done, bucko. Easier said than done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've seen. Well, listen, I've been there and I've done that and I've experienced it. I'm here to tell you today, you can put to death the things in your life. Now, is it going to happen overnight? Most likely not. There will be some things. I know there's, you know, even Andrew used an example. Andrew stopped drinking and man, God just gave, the appetite was gone. He just stopped cold turkey. I had a guy one time say, Ryan, I drink about 24 beers a day. And I said, man, just quit down to 12. And someone said, you told him to keep drinking? I'm like, dude, that's hard to quit drinking. If you're drinking 24 beers, cut it to 12, cut it to 6, cut it to 1 and be done. Some people like Andrew, God gave him grace to just stop. But there's other things in your life that are going to take a while. There's things in your life that God wants to work through. There's things in your life that God needs to work on. Actually, this word put to death is the word mortify. Now, this is really interesting. This word, mortify, means to slay. That's kind of a cool word. To deprive of its power. To destroy the strength of something. To overcome, to bring under control. Ryan, I thought that was God's job. No, no, no. It's your job. The Holy Spirit's going to eradicate things from your life, but he knows, listen, I don't think you have the capacity to be able to handle this area of sexual addiction in your life. I'm just going to cut off that desire. But you still have this in your life. You still got the unforgiveness. You still got the anger. You still got the pride. You still got the greed. Or maybe you're, you know, drinking too much. Or maybe you're doing things you shouldn't do. Whatever it might be, you still have these things in your life. You say, God, why are you going to take this away? He says, I've already given you everything that you need in your life. You have to deprive it of its power. There's a reason why when I started my journey of, uh, of, of healing in my own life, I said, I cannot be on social media anymore. I haven't been on social media in over six years, seven years now. 
I don't have a social media account. When I go on, people talk to me about social media stuff. I'm like, I have no idea. And I'm going to tell you, that's the best thing I ever did for myself. You want to know why? Because I deprived that greed and that sin of comparison and that sense of, I feel like everyone's better than me and all the sexualized stuff on there and the narcissism that functions on social media. The moment I got away from it, I realized I got to deprive this thing in me of its power or if I keep feeding that little monster, he's just going to stay alive. My dad used to say, you got to let that monster die, Ryan. Stop feeding it. Stop going down in the basement and flicking on that social media. Stop drinking that thing if you can't handle it. Stop being in those unhealthy relationships. Ryan, I got to get my, my, my thought life in order. Well, man, let's spend some more time in the Word. Let's stop looking at those things. Let's not watch those movies. Listen, you have the power. God's given you the capacity to deprive this sin of its power. But the problem is it just tastes too good, doesn't it? So you say, Ryan, you're being, are you being judgmental? No, no, no. It took me a long time. But as long as you are partnering with the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, saying, God, I'm willing. I don't want to have a sexual addiction in my life anymore. I don't want to drink too much anymore. I don't want to have anger anymore. I don't want the Lord. You know, when you have a willing heart, you know what God does? He says, perfect son, perfect daughter. I just need you to admit your need for me. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who express their need for God, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To deprive it of its power. We have to recognize that as we begin to deprive these things of their power, as we recalibrate our aim, our heart and mind focused on Jesus, it begins to identify areas in our life that need to be put to death. And he's going to put to death some things, but other things, it's our responsibility. And I know it's hard. You've got to get some accountability and join a group. Join a group. Groups are where our accountability at. Why and where's our body ministry happening? Right in our groups. You get accountability. You get partnership. Maybe you need some counseling. Maybe you need some prayer. Wednesday night, every Wednesday night from 6 to 7, we have a worship hour. We just worship, spontaneous worship. And you need prayer, come on Wednesday night. Make that your, your Wednesday night thing. Worship together. You, uh, we have a responsibility as followers of Jesus Christ to take the ownership. Take ownership of your life, people. Come on, we need to take ownership that God wants us to live an abundant life. And I'm not going to waste my life any longer on sin or the prison of sin. I was set free to be free. Someone asked me, Ryan, what's your biggest regret in your 40 years of life? And I said that I didn't realize sooner, sooner that God's given me the ability to overcome the sin in my life. The devil wants you to think you can't do it. The devil wants you to think it's too big. The devil wants you to think that it's too deep. The devil wants you to think that it's too large. The devil wants you to think that you're too far gone. The devil wants you to think that you'll never have a chance. You, Ryan, even at 40 years old, man, I don't know you. Listen, I, God can do more in one day than he can in my whole 40 years of life. You think it's too deep and too gone and too far? Listen, when you make a conscious decision to recalibrate your heart and mind on Christ, and you say, okay, God, I recognize these things I need to put to death. Lord, help me in the areas where I can't. You put those to death. And now I'm going to begin to partner with the body of Christ to put these things to death. I want to make you a promise today that you have what it takes to overcome those things. Now, it's not anything good in you. It's only by the power of the Spirit dwelling within you. By the power of Jesus Christ, He begins to partner with you and help you in your journey to put sin off of your life because you have been raised to life in Christ. Now what this is called, which is a scary word for those who haven't been in the church for very long, this is called holiness. Something I've learned, I'm learning, you want to you experience the power and the presence and, the, and, the, and the, uh, the existence of God and the manifestation of God in your life? Pursue Holiness. The Bible actually says here in in Hebrews chapter 12, make every effort to live in peace with everyone. Make every effort to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See, Ryan, well, I'm not holy. Well, listen, I I might be someone at Karen's wedding called me a priest. That's why I announced I wasn't a priest. Are you the priest? I'm like, no, I'm not a priest. I'm a pastor, but I'm not a priest. I admit today that uh, I'm, I'm the biggest sinner in this room. Call an altar call. I'll be the first one up here. But holiness isn't something that I do. Holiness is something God's doing in my life. When you begin to set your part of life to the Lord, guess what happens? You begin to see the Lord. You begin to see Him in your marriage. You begin to detest sin in your life. You begin to parent your children like you never thought you could and we're never perfect. There's actually two types of sins in your life. 
There are presumptuous sins and hidden sins. Presumptuous sin is a sin that you are aware of that you continue to do. Those are the things you can put to death. Hidden sins are things in your life that you're not aware of that God makes known to you. But until you're made known to them, they're just hidden sins in your life. That's what makes us a sinner until the day we die. There are always hidden sins in our life. But the presumptuous sins that you're aware of right now, God's given you everything in your life to, to conquer these things, to slay these things. He wants you to see him. He wants you to experience him. And he wants you to put this to death in your life. To build your life on Christ, I've got to recalibrate my heart and mind on Christ and make sure my motivation's right, come back to my first love. And then I'm going to begin to see some things in my life that I need to put to death. And as I begin to put those things to death in my life, it's hard, 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 hard work. It's great accountability and vulnerability. What happens is you begin to see the Lord in your life. You begin to experience a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. Look what it says here in John chapter 8, 34. Jesus said, I tell you most solemnly that anyone who chooses a life of sin is trapped in a dead-end life and is, in fact, a slave. A slave can't come and go at will. But the son, though, has an established position, the run of the house in your life. So if the son sets you free, you are free through and through. Does the son have the run of your house? And if he does... You are free. You might feel like you're in bondage, but God's going to give you the, the partnership and the grace and the mercy to see freedom in your life. Let's get to the last one here today. Come on, build your life on Christ. He says you need to recalibrate your heart and mind, get your motivation right, come back to your first love. Come on, you need to make sure that you're putting to death areas of your life that might keep you a barrier between you and the Lord. And lastly, clothe yourself with this new resurrected self. Look what Paul, or Paul says here. Put on your new nature, your new spiritual self, And look at this, and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and to become like him. So we're clothing ourselves. We're putting on this new nature. You are accepting it. Andrew gave me a hat for my birthday, and it's this big hat. And I was going to show you a picture, but I got my stomach out, and I've got this hat on. And I got to tell you, when you put on Christ, you just got to own it. You might walk into a room and people are like, oh, there's that Christ guy again. Yeah, I'm owning it, guys. I own it. My stomach out, my big hat on. I'm owning it. I'm a fisherman. I'm owning it. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I know sometimes we don't agree. I know sometimes I got some different perspectives, but I am so madly in love with Jesus. I'm going to put on because every time I put Christ on, look what it says in the scripture. You are what? Renewed. Interesting. That word renewed there means renovation, remodeled. Now, let me ask you a question. When you do a renovation in your home, what's the first thing you have to do? Say it loud. I got to do some demo. I have to take out and make a mess. We moved into our house. We took Ezra's closet and gave it to myself. And we pounded out the wall. We had to make a mess before we could see myself get better. I had to allow God to come and make a little bit of a mess in my life, to shake up a little bit of my thought patterns, to shake up a little bit of my mindsets, to shake up a little bit of the things that I've been holding on to. When I begin to put on Christ, what happens is, is I'm beginning to be more like him and I'm renewed, but there's a little bit of a mess, but look, all the way through we make progress. Or look at the picture of before we renovated my bathroom. I had to make a mess. I had to take down things in my life. When I put on Christ every day, I put on Christ. What happens is I put them on. I say, oh, I say, put on Christ. And all of a sudden I have an attitude like, whoa, that's not Christ. Shoot, I got to do some demo. I got to let God work out that attitude in me so I can go the rest of my day walking by faith, walking by the Spirit. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. You've been raised with Christ. Paul's talking about water baptism. Because you've accepted Jesus, and because you were baptized in the water, Dave and Moni got water baptized last week. Come on, Dave. When you went down into the water, your old person was dead. You were buried in the grave. You were, you were relating to Christ. When you came out of that water, you were raised to a new life with Christ. 
He says, since you've been raised to life with Christ, and he talks about three areas in this chapter three that I want to talk about today, three things that he identifies that because you've been raised to life with Christ, there are three things that you must do to begin to build your life on Christ. Now, I want to tell you today, if you can listen to what I'm telling you, I believe you will see breakthrough in your life. There will be abundant life. There will be transformation. I just got to say this, and I'm going to say it boldly. Many of you here today are living in a bit of a disconnected religious relationship with God, and it's time to have a life-giving, abundant, transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what he wants for you. And so what it says on the screen here, It says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, he jumps into this. And look what he says on the screen in Colossians 3, verse 1 to do. Come on, preach with me, Tyler. Help me out, brother. Keep going on the screen. Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Set your minds, set your hearts on things above that are above. The first thing that you and I must do to build our life on Christ is we have to start by recalibrating our heart and mind on the things of God. What happens is is that we begin to get our eyes on God, but our, our aim is on God, but our heart or our mind actually begins to stray away from the original reason why we pursued God in the first place. And our hearts begin to Turn away. The word in this scripture, uh, in your verse there, is the word set, or it actually means seek. Seek the things that are above. That word, the word in the Greek is zeteo. That word zeteo is a word Jesus used often. He used this word in Matthew chapter 7. He said, keep on asking. Keep on seeking. He also said it in Matthew chapter 6, 33. He said, he said uh, so seek first the kingdom of God. This idea of seeking after God, pursuing after God, looking after God, chasing after God is not something that stops when you put your hand in the air and accept Jesus Christ. This is a constant daily pursuit of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. See, Paul started with something so basic and foundational because he knew that even though at times it feels like our intentions are right and focused on God, what we don't realize is that our heart and our mind begins to stray. Our sight is focused on him, but our heart and mind need to be recalibrated to focus on Christ. Why would we need to seek Jesus? I thought we already met him. I thought we already know him. Well, Jesus never leaves us. He's omnipresent. He is with us. You know, he's with us constantly. He's with us always. He is constantly with us. He's constantly in relationship with us. Jesus is always and constantly with us. But what happens is, is that you and I, over time, stray away. It's almost, it's very similar to a marriage. You know, my wife is an incredible woman. I don't know if you've talked to my wife. Many of you have. But my wife is the heart and soul of my house and our church. Thank you, Catherine, for agreeing so diligently and quickly. My wife, um, my wife is one of the most incredible women I've ever met. Not only in our marriage does she just, you know, loved me, which is really hard to do, um, put up with me. For those of you who know me, you're like, my God, there's a special grace on Stephanie. But she uh, keeps an amazing home, and she, you know, she is an incredible cook, and she's an amazing mother, and she's a hard worker, and. She, she, you know, runs the church and she's administrator and she can preach and she leads worship. And after a while, though, I get so used to always having a lunch in front of me that I just forget to show gratitude. After a while, I'm just so used to my wife doing my laundry that I'm like, why did you put my laundry here? She's like, I just did your laundry. Why are you saying that to me? And as you know, as a married couple, over time, you are aimed for, you love them, you care for them, but you just start to take for granted how awesome that they are. This is what we're capable of doing without even realizing it. We love God and we go to church and we do the right things, but over, over time, we, we really stop pursuing her, thanking her, grateful to her, being nice to her, serving her. How can I make your day better? Instead, I just let her serve me, and then I get upset when things don't go like I want them to go. 
In the same way, our heart, we might be aimed at God, we might have our desire to be after God, but what we don't realize is that we've just gotten so used to the, the amazing faithfulness of our loving God that we're aimed at Him, but when we take that shot or when we pursue after God, we miss the mark. And if you see this picture here, actually, you see here, if this was your intended aim, when you look through a scope of a rifle, that's what I feel like I'm going to hit. I'm going to hit the target right here. But when you pull the trigger, the, the, you actually hit here. Why? Because you need to recalibrate your scope. You need to recalibrate your heart. You need to recalibrate your mind. You need to check your motive. And Man, why am I pursuing after God? Is it because I feel like if I don't do these things, God won't love me? Or is it, is it because I, I, I'm like, man, I, I want, if I do good things and I feel like God's going to give me something? Or do I just love God because he first loved me? And do I just love God because he blessed me? And do I just love God because he laid his life down for me and then he rose on the third day? Why are you pursuing after him? Is it for your own selfish gain? Or is it just because he's so good? He says you need to set your heart and your mind, recalibrate those things to be focused on God, to be focused on him, to put your sights on God. Because when you do that, your heart and desire will begin to match. Just say, okay, God, my motivation to serve you has been a little bit because I've been a little bit legalistic and I've been thinking that if I do these good things, if I read my Bible every day, then you'll love me when God, you already love me even when I was in sin, God. And you know what? I'm just going to enjoy your grace and your love even though I'm a terrible sinner and even though I never do anything right and I just can't seem to keep my Bible reading consistent. God, I'm just going to stop for a moment and remember that the reason that I'm pursuing you is because God you love me just the way that I am you love me right where I'm at not because of what I do but God you just care for me you love me you're such a great father you're such a great dad you just you went on the cross for me and you died for me and you you know what Jesus you would do that again if you could you were betrayed by your best one of your best friends Judas and you were beaten and battered and whipped and mistreated. You were murdered by the very people that you came to save. Lord, I just recalibrate my heart, my mind to refocus on you, Lord. You can't build your life on Christ if, if your sights are off. You can't expect to see breakthrough in your life if your intentions are good, but your heart and mind really isn't focused on the Lord. Recalibrate your heart. Lord, forgive me for, for doing this for the wrong reasons. Lord, forgive me for pursuing you because of what I might get from you. God, forgive me, God, because I thought if I went to church, then maybe you'd love me more. No, God, you love me just because. I don't go to church because you'll love me more. I go to church because I love you. I read my word because I love you. I pray because I love you. I'm nice to my fellow brothers and sisters because I love you, Lord. What happens is as you recalibrate, what happens is as God, you begin to hit the mark and you begin to experience the presence of God in your life like never before. Blessed are those who are th- uh, hungry, hunger and thirst for righteousness and they will be what? Filled. When you recalibrate your heart and your mind, guess what happens? You'll be filled. You'll experience the very presence of the living God and you'll be transformed. And all the things that you've been searching for in your walk with God come not by God coming closer to you, but by you recalibrating your heart and your mind on Christ. The second thing we, have, we see here in Scripture, how to build your life on Christ. Oh, you're not going to like this one, so hang on to me. Put your selfish nature to death. I'm sorry, it's there. I have to preach on it. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual morality. This word is the external Uh, sexual misconduct outside of the marriage between a man and a woman. Impurity. It speaks to the idea of just uh, wandering thoughts, not allowing your thoughts to be submitted to God. They're impure thoughts, impure things. Maybe not sexual, but maybe just, just anger or judgment or unforgiveness in your mind that are not being taken captive. Lust is sexual uh, cravings that are unhealthy and ungodly. Evil desires are motivations, wrong ambitions and motivations, greed, uh, the lack of contentment for what the Lord's given us. Look at this, which is what? Idolatry. These things here become our God. We know in our world today, uh, these things have become gods to many people. And they're actually in 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 attack mode against the church of Jesus Christ. 
because they know, the world knows, the devil knows, this is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life that you once lived. But now, you also must, here we go again, oh, hang on, rid yourself of all such things as these anger. That's a mental anger. That's not external. Internal anger towards someone or something. Unforgiveness, anger, frustration. Rage is an external expression of that anger. Malice is treating other people with, with, with uh, you know, being rude to people and mean to people and speaking ill about them and gossiping, slander, saying things you shouldn't say about people. Filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Deceiving one another. See, the reason Paul needed to put this here is because he knew that when you recalibrate your heart and your mind on Christ, what it does is identifies areas in our life that are a part of our old nature that must be put to death. In order for you to experience a life built on Christ, the things that we've listed today, I have spent so many years in sin's prison, and I know how hard it is to rid these things from your life. I know how hard it is to rid sexual sin from your life. I know how hard it is to to rid alcohol addiction from your life. I know how hard it is to rid lust and anger and unforgiveness and bitterness. You're like, man, why is this guy a pastor? (laughs) I know how hard it is to be stuck in sin's prison for so long. And pastor gets up and says, you need to overcome these things. And it's like, easier said than done, bucko. Easier said than done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've seen. Well, listen, I've been there and I've done that and I've experienced it. I'm here to tell you today, you can put to death the things in your life. Now, is it going to happen overnight? Most likely not. There will be some things. I know there's, you know, even Andrew used an example. Andrew stopped drinking and man, God just gave, the appetite was gone. He just stopped cold turkey. I had a guy one time say, Ryan, I drink about 24 beers a day. And I said, man, just quit down to 12. And someone said, you told him to keep drinking? I'm like, dude, that's hard to quit drinking. If you're drinking 24 beers, cut it to 12, cut it to six, cut it to one and be done. Some people like Andrew, God gave him grace to just stop. But there's other things in your life that are going to take a while. There's things in your life that God wants to work through. There's things in your life that God needs to work on. Actually, this word put to death is the word mortify. Now, this is really interesting This word, mortify, means to slay. That's kind of a cool word. To deprive of its power. To destroy the strength of something. To overcome, to bring under control. Ryan, I thought that was God's job. No, no, no. It's your job. The Holy Spirit's going to eradicate things from your life, but he knows, listen, I don't think you have the capacity to be able to handle this area of sexual addiction in your life. I'm just going to cut off that desire. But you still have this in your life. You still got the unforgiveness. You still got the anger. You still got the pride. You still got the greed. Or maybe you're, you know, drinking too much. Or maybe you're doing things you shouldn't do. Whatever it might be, you still have these things in your life. You say, God, why are you going to take this away? He says, I've already given you everything that you need in your life. You have to deprive it of its power. There's a reason why when I started my journey of, uh, of, of healing in my own life, I said, I cannot be on social media anymore. I haven't been on social media in over six years, seven years now. I don't have a social media account. When I go on, people talk to me about social media stuff. I'm like, I have no idea. And I'm going to tell you, that's the best thing I ever did for myself. You want to know why? Because I deprived that greed and that sin of comparison and that sense of, I feel like everyone's better than me and all the sexualized stuff on there and the narcissism that functions on social media. The moment I got away from it, I realized I got to deprive this thing in me of its power or I, I, if I keep feeding that little monster, he's just going to stay alive. My dad used to say, you got to let that monster die, Ryan. Stop feeding it. Stop going down in the basement and flicking on that social media. Stop drinking that thing if you can't handle it. Stop being in those unhealthy relationships. Ryan, I got to get my, my, my thought life in order. Oh, man, let's spend some more time in the Word. Let's stop looking at those things. Let's not watch those movies. Listen, you have the power. God's given you the capacity to deprive this sin of its power. But the problem is it just tastes too good, doesn't it? So you say, Ryan, you're being, are you being judgmental? No, no, no. It took me a long time. But as long as you are partnering with the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, saying, God, I'm willing. I don't want to have a sexual addiction in my life anymore. I don't want to drink too much anymore. I don't want to have anger anymore. I don't want, you know, when you have a willing heart, you know what God does? He says, perfect son, perfect daughter. I just need you to admit your need for me. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who express their need for God, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To deprive it of its power. We have to recognize that as we begin to deprive these things of their power, 
as we recalibrate our aim, our heart and mind focused on Jesus, it begins to identify areas in our life that need to be put to death. And he's going to put to death some things, but other things, it's our responsibility. And I know it's hard. You've got to get some accountability and join a group. Join a group. Groups are where our accountability at. Why and where's our body ministry happen? Right in our groups. You get accountability. You get partnership. Maybe you need some counseling. Maybe you need some prayer. Wednesday night, every Wednesday night from 6 to 7, we have a worship hour. We just worship, spontaneous worship. And you need prayer? Come on Wednesday night. Make that your, your Wednesday night thing. Worship together. You, uh, we have a responsibility as followers of Jesus Christ to take the ownership. Take ownership of your life, people. Come on, we need to take ownership that God wants us to live an abundant life. And I'm not going to waste my life any longer on sin or the prison of sin. I was set free to be free. Someone asked me, Ryan, what's your biggest regret in your 40 years of life? And I said that I didn't realize sooner, sooner that God's given me the ability to overcome the sin in my life. The devil wants you to think you can't do it. The devil wants you to think it's too big. The devil wants you to think that it's too deep. The devil wants you to think that it's too large. The devil wants you to think that you're too far gone. The devil wants you to think that you'll never have a chance. You, Ryan, even at 40 years old, man, I don't know you. Listen, I, God can do more in one day than he can in my whole 40 years of life. You think it's too deep and too gone and too far? Listen, when you make a conscious decision to recalibrate your heart and mind on Christ, and you say, okay, God, I recognize these things I need to put to death. Lord, help me in the areas where I can't. You put those to death. And now I'm going to begin to partner with the body of Christ to put these things to death. I want to make you a promise today that you have what it takes to overcome those things. Now, it's not anything good in you. It's only by the power of the Spirit dwelling within you. By the power of Jesus Christ, He begins to partner with you and help you in your journey to put sin off of your life because you have been raised to life in Christ. Now what this is called, which is a scary word for those who haven't been in the church for very long, this is called holiness. Something I've learned, I'm learning, you want to you experience the power and the presence and, the, and, the, and the, uh, the existence of God and the manifestation of God in your life? Pursue Holiness. The Bible actually says here in, in Hebrews chapter 12, make every effort to live in peace with everyone. Make every effort to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See, Ryan, well, I'm not holy. Well, listen, I, I might be, someone at uh, Karen's wedding called me a priest. That's why I announced I wasn't a priest. Are you the priest? I'm like, no, I'm not a priest. I'm a pastor, but I'm not a priest. I admit today that uh, I'm, I'm the biggest sinner in this room. Call an altar call. I'll be the first one up here. But holiness isn't something that I do. Holiness is something God's doing in my life. When you begin to set your part of life to the Lord, guess what happens? You begin to see the Lord. You begin to see Him in your marriage. You begin to detest sin in your life. You begin to parent your children like you never thought you could and we're never perfect. There's actually two types of sins in your life. There are presumptuous sins and hidden sins. Presumptuous sin is a sin that you are aware of that you continue to do. Those are the things you can put to death. Hidden sins are things in your life that you're not aware of that God makes known to you. But until you're made known to them, they're just hidden sins in your life. That's what makes us a sinner until the day we die. There are always hidden sins in our life. But the presumptuous sins that you're aware of right now, God's given you everything in your life to, to conquer these things, to slay these things, he wants you to see him. He wants you to experience him. And he wants you to put this to death in your life. To build your life on Christ, I've got to recalibrate my heart and mind on Christ. i make sure my motivation's right, come back to my first love. And then I'm going to begin to see some things in my life that I need to put to death. And as I begin to put those things to death in my life, it's hard, 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 hard work. It's great accountability and vulnerability. What happens is you begin to see the Lord in your life. You begin to experience a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. Look what it says here in John chapter 8, 34. Jesus said, I tell you most solemnly that anyone who chooses a life of sin is trapped in a dead-end life and is in fact a slave. A slave can't come and go at will. But the son though has an established position, the run of the house in your life. So if the sun sets you free, you are free through and through. Does the sun have the run of your house? And if he does, you are free. 
You might feel like you're in bondage, but God's going to give you the, the partnership and the grace and the mercy to see freedom in your life. Let's get to the last one here today. Come on, build your life on Christ. He says you need to recalibrate your heart and mind, get your motivation right, come back to your first love. Come on, you need to make sure that you're putting to death areas of your life that might keep you a barrier between you and the Lord. And lastly, clothe yourself with this new resurrected self. Look what Paul, or Paul says here. Put on your new nature, your new spiritual self, and look at this, and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and to become like him. So we're clothing ourselves. We're putting on this new nature. You are accepting it. Andrew gave me a hat for my birthday, and it's this big hat. And I was going to show you a picture, but I got my stomach out, and I've got this hat on. And I got to tell you, when you put on Christ, you just got to own it. You might walk into a room, and people are like, oh, there's that Christ guy again. Yeah, I'm owning it, guys. I own it. My stomach out, my big hat on. I'm owning it. I'm a fisherman. I'm owning it. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I know sometimes we don't agree. I know sometimes I got some different perspectives, but I am so madly in love with Jesus. I'm going to put on because every time I put Christ on, look what it says in the scripture. You are what? Renewed. Interesting. (laughs) That word renewed there means renovation, remodeled. Now, let me ask you a question. When you do a renovation in your home, what's the first thing you have to do? Say it loud. I got to do some demo. I have to take out and make a mess. We moved into our house. We took Ezra's closet and gave it to myself. And we pounded out the wall. We had to make a mess before we could see myself get better. I had to allow God to come and make a little bit of a mess in my life, to shake up a little bit of my thought patterns, to shake up a little bit of my mindsets, to shake up a little bit of the things that I've been holding on to. When I begin to put on Christ, what happens is, is I'm beginning to be more like him and I'm renewed, but there's a little bit of a mess, but look, all the way through we make progress. Or look at the picture of before we renovated my bathroom. I had to make a mess. I had to take down things in my life. When I put on Christ every day, I put on Christ. What happens is I put them on. I say, oh, I say, put on Christ. And all of a sudden I have an attitude. Like, whoa, that's not Christ. Shoot, I got to do some demo. I got to let the God work out that attitude in me so I can go the rest of my day walking by faith, walking by the Spirit. Hebrews chapter two, therefore it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us. It says, his brothers and sisters so that he could be our merciful, faithful high priest. And then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he's able to help us when we are being tested. You say, Ryan, I can't put on Christ. He did, God doesn't know what I'm going through. God doesn't know what I'm facing. Yes, he does. He went through everything that you went through. He experienced the same temptation, the same urges that you felt, the same physical struggles that you felt, the same mental struggles that you felt. Do you know that Jesus walked the earth? And when he walked the earth, he experienced everything that you experienced. You say, Ryan, why? Because in order for Jesus came to earth to be a human so that you could experience what it's like to be divine. He experienced everything on earth. And what did Jesus do? Jesus overcame. Jesus beat temptation. Jesus overcame in the world. When, when the enemy came to tempt him and to trick him and to, and to, and to, and to uh, speak uh, death into his ear, he overcame. When, when life and humanity tried to take him out, he overcame, he overcame, he overcame, he overcame. And then he died on the cross and he rose on the third day. And when Jesus Christ rose on the third day, do you know what happened for you and for me? Now you and I can put on the new resurrection life. Because we can look back to Jesus and say, Jesus did it, so can we. His destiny is our destiny. Now, will we be gods? Well, no way, because none of us are gods. But what we get to be is we get to be like Jesus right now on this life. Paul says, putting on this new life, becoming more like Jesus. Jesus put on humanity so that we could put on divinity. Look at this scripture. For as you know him better, he will give you through his great power everything you need for living a truly good life. He even shares his own glory and his own goodness with us. 
And by that same mighty power, he has given us all the other rich and wonderful blessings he promised. For instance, the promise to save us from the lust and rottenness all around us. Look at this. And to give us his own character. Did you know the purpose of you walking on the planet isn't just to make it to heaven? It's to experience everything that Christ experienced while he walked on the planet that you can see overcoming in your life. You can see breakthrough in your life. You can see whole relationships in your life. You can see financial blessing in your life. You can see everything that God experienced on the earth. Are we divine? No, but God living in us is. He says, now that you've done this demo in your life, you begin to experience what it feels like to put on the nature and the character of Christ. You begin to walk like him and talk like him and act like him and respond like him. You become more like him and renewal in your life and your heart. You begin to know Jesus better. Just stand to your feet here this morning. What we're going to do is we're going to pray. And as we do, I want you to read this last verse with me. And I'm going to pray with you today. Look on the screen here. It says this. You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off and put in the fire. Now you're dressed in new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the Creator with his label on it. You and I walking and talking like Jesus. We recalibrate our heart and our mind on Christ. We put to death the things in our life that are keeping us back from a walk with Christ and we begin to put on Jesus, become more like Christ and you're renewed, you're demoed, you're transformed to become the person that God has transformed you to become. Bow your heads for a moment. I want to pray for you and then we're going to sing a song. Father, we want to say thank you today. Well, thank you, Lord, that we're on a journey. Lord, as we just... Just go through Colossians, Father. We are reminded, God, that, Lord, you're with us. You're guiding us. You want us to live an abundant life. You want us to live a hope-filled life, a faith-filled life. Lord, as we worship here for a moment, Father, I just pray that you'd be glorified, you'd be honored today, God, and that your presence would be in this place. In Jesus' name, come on, let's just worship together. Hebrews chapter 2, Therefore it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us. It says, his brothers and sisters so that he could be our merciful, faithful high priest. And then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he's able to help us when we are being tested. You say, Ryan, I can't put on Christ. He did, God doesn't know what I'm going through. God doesn't know what I'm facing. Yes, he does. He went through everything that you went through. He experienced the same temptation, the same urges that you felt, the same physical struggles that you felt, the same mental struggles that you felt. Do you know that Jesus walked the earth? And when he walked the earth, he experienced everything that you experienced. You say, Ryan, why? Because in order for Jesus came to earth to be a human so that you could experience what it's like to be divine. He experienced everything on earth. And what did Jesus do? Jesus overcame. Jesus beat temptation. Jesus overcame in the world. When, when the enemy came to tempt him and to trick him and to, and to, and to, and to uh, speak uh, death into his ear, he overcame. When, when life and humanity tried to take him out, he overcame, he overcame, he overcame, he overcame. And then he died on the cross and he rose on the third day. And when Jesus Christ rose on the third day, do you know what happened for you and for me? Now you and I can put on the new resurrection life. Because we can look back to Jesus and say, Jesus did it, so can we. His destiny is our destiny. Now, will we be gods? Well, no way, because none of us are gods. But what we get to be is we get to be like Jesus right now on this life. Paul says, putting on this new life, becoming more like Jesus. Jesus put on humanity so that we could put on divinity. Look at this scripture. For as you know him better, he will give you through his great power everything you need for living a truly good life. He even shares his own glory and his own goodness with us. And by that same mighty power, he has given us all the other rich and wonderful blessings he promised. For instance, the promise to save us from the lust and rottenness all around us. Look at this. And to give us his own character. Did you know the purpose of you walking on the planet isn't just to make it to heaven? It's to experience everything that Christ experienced while he walked on the planet that you can see overcoming in your life. You can see breakthrough in your life. You can see whole relationships in your life. You can see financial blessing in your life. You can see everything that God experienced on the earth. Are we divine? No, but God living in us is. He says, now that you've done this demo in your life, you begin to experience 
what it feels like to put on the nature and the character of Christ. You begin to walk like him and talk like him and act like him and respond like him. You become more like him and renewal in your life and your heart. You begin to know Jesus better. Just stand to your feet here this morning. What we're going to do is we're going to pray. And as we do, I want you to read this last verse with me. And I'm going to pray with you today. Look on the screen here. It says this. You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off and put in the fire. Now you're dressed in new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the creator with his label on it. You and I walking and talking like Jesus. We recalibrate our heart and our mind on Christ. We put to death the things in our life that are keeping us back from a walk with Christ and we begin to put on Jesus, become more like Christ and you're renewed, you're demoed, you're transformed to become the person that God has transformed you to become. Bow your heads for a moment. I want to pray for you and then we're going to sing a song. Father, we want to say thank you today. Well, thank you, Lord, that we're on a journey. Lord, as we just... Just go through Colossians, Father. We are reminded, God, that, Lord, you're with us. You're guiding us. You want us to live an abundant life. You want us to live a hope-filled life, a faith-filled life. Lord, as we worship here for a moment, Father, I just pray that you'd be glorified, you'd be honored today, God, and that your presence would be in this place. In Jesus' name, come on, let's just worship together. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.